I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw it. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, Lactrons, gentlemen, bears, chickens, and things, to episode 95 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? The Muppets and Star Trek. We've been doing one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek The Animated Series. And tonight we're covering The Muppet Show with special guest star Andy Williams and Star Trek Animated Series episode. I said that very strangely. The Eye of the Beholder. Animated episode. (laughs) (laughs) Eye of the Beholder. Yes. Not the TNG episode coming later. (laughs) Jarman, do we have any feedback? We do. Uh, I think since our last episode of Muppet Trek, we have not discussed that we are recently guests on the show Muppet Talk with Joe and Chris, who are yeah. uh, from the Muppet Stuff blog. They have uh, two or three episodes probably out now of their video podcast. So go check that out, folks. Steve and I are both on there. It was a good time. And if you're new listeners here, that's where you came from. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> welcome. Watching that. So welcome. Welcome to Muppet That's true. Track. This would be the first episode since then. So that's true. Um but after that, Steve, tell us about this guest star in The Muppet Show, Andy Williams. Uh, well, Andy Williams was an American singer and uh, performer. He recorded 43 albums. Damn. 15 were gold and three were platinum. Shit. <laughs> he also was nominated for six Grammy Awards. Mm-hmm. And he had a pretty good run on his own show, The Andy Williams Show, as like a variety performer in the 60s when yeah. those shows were where everybody had one of those shows. Dean Martin, everybody, yeah. Um, But what does our audience probably know him from? Uh, He's the guy who sings the version of Moon River, you know. (laughs) True. That you just have in your head. That's him. He had a couple other big hits, one of which he performs on the show. Um, But he's not in the current cultural zeitgeist. He much more belongs to our generation's parents. Right. And I had old dad. My old dad was definitely a fan of Andy Williams and grandparents and such. Yeah. Uh, but what's he up to this week on The Muppet Show? Well, Kermit introduces Andy. But first we get uh, Fozzie singing about the wonders of music coming from behind a green door. It's a weird musical number. Mm-hmm. Andy does hit the stage and performs Where Do I Begin? It's a lovely ballad. And Andy does his thing perfectly while Piggy chases Kermit throughout the backstage uh, throughout the stage. Uh, he then we then get a bump news flash where roving bands of cheese are on the move and one <laughs> almost kills the anchor. We get, get a veterinary's hospital, a rabbit's on the table. We get Bugs Bunny and Doctor Who reference back to back. That's true. It's incredible. Uh, and I'm going to say this may be the best and actually most funny veterinarian's hospital in all of the Muppet show we've seen so far. Because it was just pun after pun after pun, pun after, after pun. pun after pun. They just really punched you with them. Uh, we hop into uh, Muppet Labs uh, pun, uh, where there are cat, <laughs> where there are cat people and dog people, but now both could be happy because Doctor Bunsen Honeydew has invented a pet converter where they put in a cat, out comes a puppy. They put back in the puppy, and out comes a tiger, which attacks Beaker. Oh no! Uh, Andy hits the stage, joined by Kermit. They sing a medley of songs, including a two of a kind. How about you? Give me the simple life, and I love a piano. <laughs> Kermit thanks Andy. A cheese pun is made. 
And that is what we call The Muppet Show. The backstage episode comes around just this sad delusion that Piggy thinks her and Kermit are getting married. It's like really sad at this point. They've played this angle like six times. Uh, and she has Andy change his musical numbers. She gets romantically inclined towards him. He finally has had it up to here. And he he tries to physically assault Piggy. And so then she hits him in like self-defense, maybe for the first time ever. It's the first time he's ever. Tr- I mean, to be fair, the first time he's ever defended himself against her. She, she's assaulted him countless times. I know. And that's true. But I'm just saying like he he struck the opening blow here. And so it's like, true. OK, Piggy, it's a little you get this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of this week's episode with Andy Williams? I thought it was a lot of fun and kind of refreshing because it was finally. Oh, my chair just decided to pop out of place. It was an episode with a, a great host who was really good with the Muppets. I think I had forgotten that he had a variety show. And I think that makes a lot of sense now because he seemed comfortable yeah. in this kind of crazy um, you know, Bonzo environment with everything going on. Um, the music, the laughs, the puns, the jokes. Um, he seemed very comfortable and he's also just an amazing singer. Like, you know, dear Lord, that was an amazing singing. Um, so yeah. And the, the puns are just so many, even outside of veterinarian's hospital, there were tons and tons of puns in this episode. So it was just a lot of fun, even with Andy Williams punning it up. So I forgot to mention the craziest part. Like I can't believe I forgot this because I didn't, I forgot about the backstage where he does the musical number where Scooter's like, where'd you get his start? And he's like, actually, I got started in barbershop shop quartet with my brothers. And then three just <laughs> lifeless, soul-sucking puppet versions of Andy Williams show up. I thought they looked good, but yes, they are terrifying they at the same time. Nightmarish. <laughs> but that it was looked, a good number, though. They sounded quite great. looked the same. Like yeah. They're all clearly handmade, obviously. So, like, some of them looked more messed up than others. They look like different versions of, like, Frankenstein's monster, <laughs> different iterations. It was it was something. Good singing, though. It sounded good. Good singing. Great singing. But it was just, it was so nightmarish. I totally forgot. Oh, man. Um, but I, I agree. This had a great veterinarian's hospital. This had a great Muppet Labs, like, one of the best we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. You have classic shtick with Kermit and Piggy. I know I bashed it, but it is classic for her to be trying to force her love on him. <laughs> um, and then we have Andy, who was, I'm going to say, a perfectly serviceable host. Delightful. It sounds like you maybe enjoyed him more than I did. Like, he he went and did his shtick and didn't do much else. I had that one fine. critique that he didn't have any other characters. Like, he just played himself. Like, every good best host they can play themselves and a character with a costume and, and like an actual different Or they character. demonstrate a talent that we didn't know they had or right. they aren't known for. Like the, what he was just, the, 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 the Olympic guy who could sing? We were like, whoa, that's great. <laughs> like yeah. that was like, unexpected. Um, yeah. And I think Andy thought of that barbershop thing as like that, but it really wasn't. He's still just singing. Yeah. Just kind of. Yeah. It's just still him singing with three nightmare potato versions of himself. <laughs> um, but honestly, I think overall, very positive episode. Maybe not a top for this season, but certainly not the bottom. It was towards the top for me for the season so far. Um, but yeah, not the top top. It's just like, yeah, this is really good. I just enjoyed it. Uh, music this week, Green Door. It's by Davey and Moore. And this was a number one hit in 1956. And is kind of known for having some of one of the first major songs to create, like to have uh, like blues or boogie woogie piano riffs in it. You can hear a few of them. To have like have it be a big hit. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. 
where do I begin? Written by Francis Lai and recorded by Andy Williams for the 1970 film Love Story. The song is also known as the theme to Love Story. Do, 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 do. My mom loved this movie yeah. growing up, so I, I saw it once or twice, did. and it was it's a lot. <laughs> uh, Jubilee Time. This is uh, his barbershop quartet from the performer Kay Thompson. She was a singer, author, composer, musician, and dancer. But what she is most known for is creating the children's book series, Eloise. Don't know it. How about you <laughs> by Burton Lane? This is from the 1941 hit Babes on Broadway, a musical review that starred uh, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney. Uh, Mickey would many years later make a cameo in the 2011 The Muppets movie. That and opening number. Play really racist characters. Very incredibly racist characters. <laughs> Give me The Simple Life uh, by Bloom and Ruby. It's from the 1956 movie Wake Up and Dream, which is which was I read it and it was like it's a musical fantasy escapade. And it sounds like the most mundane thing ever. I'm like, man, they had nothing back then. <laughs> Um, I love a piano from Irving Berlin. It's from the Broadway musical review. Stop exclamation point. Look exclamation point. Listen exclamation point. <laughs> what a great name for a play. It is. Um, and the, it, the movie is about a chorus girl who wants to be the lead and the lead gets whisked away to Honolulu by her suitor. The creatives on the play go to Honolulu to find another lead for some reason. And the chorus girl follows them with her agent and tries to get the role while falling in love and in Honolulu. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> so, Jeremy, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned how terrifying those Muppets were because the barbershop quartet was my favorite unexpected moment because uh, they just they had to make those handmade for the episode look like Andy Williams. I thought that was really cool and it sang really well. And they didn't scare me nearly as much as the old people Muppets that we've seen before and the baby Muppets that are terrifying. So these were fine for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it to this week, Sam the Eagle, and more specifically Frank Oz as Sam the Eagle. Uh, that the, the scene with him and Kermit where he talks about how he's like estranged from his wife and he doesn't really remember his children, but he's estranged from them too. And he's like just sad. It was so captivating and weird. Because they was real, it was like moment improvised. Of levity. It was weird. Yes, it was, some of it was clearly improvised. Maybe not all of it, but some of I'd it. I've never was seen a scene improvised. like that that was that improvised throughout. It was, it was weird. It was odd. It was like we don't. They didn't have a sketch in to write one, and Jim and Frank were like, "Oh, we got this." <laughs> it was. It was. It was definitely different. It stood out for sure. Uh, so, Darren, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek: The Animated Series? All right. So this week we have the Eye of the Beholder. Which later on, the next generation has an episode called Eye of the Beholder. This one has the. I know. It screwed me up the entire time I was trying to look it up. <laughs> so, the Enterprise is investigating the disappearance of a scientific team near Lactra 7. And Lactra has nothing to do with lactating, so don't even go there. Uh, they find that the ship, uh, the starship Ariel, is there and it's abandoned. And the last message recorded by the captain says he went to the surface of a nearby planet. So, Kirk, Spock, and Bones beam down to that planet to investigate. Without preparing much or making sure the planet was safe enough, they just kind of go down, you know, no holds barred. And, of course, then after being attacked by several creatures, they uh, they subdue with their phasers. They're captured by these slug-like beings called the Lactrans. And apparently these creatures have intellects that are thousands of years, tens of thousands of years advanced beyond our own. 
but they can only speak telepathically, but their brains move so fast that it's impossible for us humans and Vulcans to understand them. So they're taken by the Lactrans to this lovely containment area made just for humans, which they figure out is part of a, a zoo for all different kind of species from across the galaxy. And the remaining crew of the Ariel are there, and one of them is very sick. So now we have a time limit to get out of this place before that crew member dies. And Bone says he can cure her if he has his medical kit. And the crew of the Ariel says that the Lactrans seem to be responsive to mental impressions. So they all concentrate real hard on needing Bone's medical kit, and the Lactrans give it to them. And then Kirk decides, ooh, we should try the same thing to get them to give back his communicator. And they do. But this baby Lactrin that falls for it and gives them the communicator accidentally gets beamed up to the Enterprise instead of the crew. Um, and so, meanwhile, on the planet, the parents are pissed that their their baby Lactrin was beamed away. So they focus their energy on Kirk to get, him, to get answers from him to where their baby went. But it starts to slowly explode his brain because he can't handle their thought patterns. So the other crew try to form a mental barrier around Kirk to protect him. And the baby, meanwhile, is back on the Empire, 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 on the Enterprise, and probes Scotty's brain for answers. But since it's just a baby, the mental probe is more bearable, so it learns the entire history of the Federation in minutes. And Scotty's then able to convince the baby that they're not animals, and they're not—they don't mean any harm. And he takes them back to the zoo. They both beam down down together, and the baby tells its parents all it learned. And the parents let the crew leave and tell them they can come back. In a few centuries when they're more civilized and more advanced creatures. So that's uh, the eye of the beholder. What do you think of it, Steve? Um, so things I like, things I disliked. And here's sort of the uh, the trick. I didn't write down any things I disliked. Oh. This episode was so nuts <laughs> and so quick that I just loved every moment of it. I'm not kidding. Oh, wow. It's a new classic (laughs) opening. Someone's missing mysterious video message. Derelict spacecraft can't use their walkie talkies. It's like this whole episode is like (laughs) a best of album. It's a best of album. This whole episode, they shoot a dragon with laser guns. Mm -hmm. A different dragon does a Godzilla death scene. Dr. McCoy almost certainly crushed to death by a dragon. (laughs) So the, some purple flying dragon things from another episode to the point where they address it. He literally says the line, just like those dragons on the last planet. <laughs> like they literally address, they reuse the animation. Crazy slug villains, a space zoo, an adolescent godlike creature loose on the Enterprise. Can I hear Trelordy anyone? Mm. Uh, a telepathic thought screen barrier. Scotty beaming up something surprising and a joyride fixing everything. <laughs> this episode had it all, folks. <laughs> it was fun. I had no doubt. I, def- I can definitively say this is my favorite episode of the entire season. Wow. All right. Definitively. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going that far, but I did enjoy it. Was it was so over the top. I couldn't get over how good it was. It did have a similar plot of the cage, the original pilot, where wasn't they collecting specimens for a zoo in that episode too? Like the original That's why series? I said this whole thing was like a best of. It had That's things true. from every prior episode. That's very true. <laughs> I think it's definitely up there. People are sleeping on this original on this animated series. It's it's pretty good some episodes. Some are pretty rough, but I'm like- willing to wager that fifth at least fifty percent of these are better than anything we got from the original series. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Probably because they're all shorter. <laughs> we had to sit through 53 minutes of every episode of the original series. So 
That was a lot. That's right. Well, some trivia for this episode. Uh, the title of this episode, The Eye of the Beholder, is from a lot of things now, but it originally came from a quote in the 1878 novel Molly Bon by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford, where it said, Beauty is in the Eye of the Beholder. Uh, written by David P. Harmon, who had previously written Star Trek The Deadly Years, that episode where everyone in the crew ages quickly. And it was co-written by Dean L. Kuhn, who wrote A Piece of the Action, where they go to that 1940s mafia planet. So that's the guys who wrote this episode. So kind of a best of thing going on there. Um, the shots of the Enterprise that are shown when Kirk contacts the vessel were an economic measure as they lessened the amount of character animation that had to be created for the installment. And another such measure was the fact that the Marivelle dragons, as you mentioned, that attacked the Enterprise landing party used a recycled as character they design. they mentioned. Yeah. I they, didn't mention it. The characters. They did. did. They were called the Swoopers in an earlier episode called the Infinite Vulcan. And, spoiler alert, they are seen again as mechanized sentinels in the next episode, the Jihad. <laughs> they use them again. Yeah, they were really on the bottom here. Oh, yeah. So they wanted to con- concentrate on their unique designs for the, the Lactrans and new things that were making. So they use, they reuse other things from other episodes. But, Steve, tell us about the Trek Connection Muppet Connections this time around. Oh, boy, are they tenuous. <laughs> Uh, Trek Connection, Muppet Connection, both Andy Williams and Leonard Nimoy covered the song, Where is Love? Where is love? (laughs) I know that song. Uh, Fun side factoid, uh, Andy's notable performance of this is on YouTube and in really good quality, and he is performing with fellow, fellow Muppet Show guest Julie Andrews. Very nice. Uh, Andy Williams. Okay, this one's stretchy. Uh, Andy Williams appeared as himself on an episode of the Larry Sanders show in 1998. Mm. Many guests on this show also appeared on various Star Trek projects, including Penny Johnson Gerald, who was in 15 episodes of Deep Space Nine and notably is also on the Orville as the ship's doctor. Uh Aha. Yes, you are correct. She plays Cisco's love interest. Empty space. Oh, nine. that makes sense. Yes. Um. So yeah, her and Andy Williams both were on the Larry Sanders show. Good, point. good job, man. That was this was a tough one, but not too tough because they're the same episode. There's so many similarities. Uh, both episodes that, have someone wondering what's going on in a building and are disappointed. Fozzie with the green door <laughs> and Kirk and crew with the alien city on the planet. <laughs> that is so good. Uh, both feature near identical creatures joining their powers together. The pink aliens, the Latrans, joining their mental powers to try to break Kirk's mind. And the four Andy Williams joining their powers to bring joy to the world in the form of barbershop. <laughs> both episodes have characters underestimating a domesticated animal. So Honeydew and Beaker with the cat they try to transform and the aliens on Star Trek when they try to domesticate the humans. See, I have something kind of similar. Both feature scientists being chased by beasts. Mm. Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker being chased by the tiger, and Spock being chased by the dragon dinosaur. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, God, what's that noise? Transporter malfunction. Oh, no. Transporter malfunction. All right. It's a part of the episode where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? 
So mine are going to sound familiar because I very much echoed my similarities. Um, I was a Trek. I'm going to bring over the creepy Andy Williams potato guys <laughs> and replace the Lactrans just all staring with their godless eyes at the Enterprise crew through the glass of the zoo barrier. That'd be terrifying. Uh, my moments of Star Trek. I'm going to have Andy Williams take the place of the dinosaur that eventually falls on bones. Because instead, he would just saunter up to them and say, hey, cats, you're looking pretty up in here with those swinging threads. Why not hang here with me for a bit? I'm the Andysaurus. River. River, wider than a mile. <laughs> uh, Trek to Muppets, I'm going to bring over the Godzilla dinosaur and replace the tiger. Dr. Bunsen and I do putting a cat, mm. a puppy coming out the other side, and then putting it back through to become that monstrosity. <laughs> I think we both went for the dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek to Muppets. I'm going to have the alien baby, the like the Lactrin baby, would take Miss Picky's place because it would be desperately trying to tell everyone that it wants to marry Kermit, but its telepathy would end up killing everyone instead. Because <laughs> why not? That is fair. No, that's fair. <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to the end of episode 95 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Carol Channing. And animated series episode, The Jihad. And that episode is the final episode of season one of Star Trek, the animated series. So we're going to be bringing you the best and worst from the series so far. That is correct. We'll rate them. But until then, from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.